just bringing the attention home. Let's just be quiet to start without striving for any better state. Just, just let the attention settle on you as you are today. And you can let your eyes close if you want, or even let them stay open. And notice that you can let the attention soften and open. And remember that you're here for you. You're here for you. So just let the attention just embrace what it finds. If it's tension or a depression, openness, how does it feel to be here? And just let the breath be exactly the way it is naturally. Don't try to change it. But just rest. Rest in awareness. And just notice how just coming home to your own experience begins to soften you, open you. So what is it like to just drop expectations? What might come? So I wanted to share 
some of my experience and also tell you a story. And the experience that I wanted to share and welcome everybody as you come. I'm glad to see you. Glad to see you. My experience today was that I was just so lonely and tired of this. Can you relate to what I'm talking about? I'm just so tired of this quarantine. I'm tired that I can't see my friends. I'm tired that I have to stay home so much or close to home. I'm tired that I can't travel. I actually was bargain shopping for a suitcase. <laughs> and I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. But as a kind of promise or hope. Um, and I abandoned it after a while. So I wanted to tell you a story about the Buddha's horse, Kantaka. And this is a story that's dear to my heart, and it's my version. You will not find it in the sutras. So you will have to listen closely. Some of it is in the sutras. The Buddha, Siddhartha, who would be Buddha, and the name Siddhartha means he who accomplishes his goal. Isn't that interesting? This kid was determined to take the path he felt he was meant to take. But he was born to be a prince. So his father heard from a seer that Siddhartha would either be a great leader, a great king, or a great spiritual leader. And of course, the father wanted to put a stop to this spiritual business. So he dedicated himself, according to the sutras, to creating conditions that would keep Siddhartha at home. And he erected this extraordinary pleasure palace for Siddhartha as he grew. By some accounts, not only did Siddhartha have a wife and a secondary wife, he had a harem of 60,000 women. 60,000. Some sutras think that this was an exaggeration. So they say that it was probably just 48,000 women. But the point of the story is that everything was done to distract Siddhartha. Everything possible was done so that he continually had something to look forward to. And I can't help but notice in my own life, in this time of shutdown or semi-shutdown, how much my happiness 
was propped up and boosted by having things to look forward to. Have you noticed that? Dinners, trips, lunch with a friend. We don't notice how much this is meant to us until it's taken away. So Siddhartha, in spite of all of his father's efforts to keep him home, had famous glimpses of sickness, aging, death, and a possible way to freedom that, that worked away in him like a question then haunted him. He wanted to find another way. And it just so happens that the horse that was driving, that was drawing the chariot that took Siddhartha out of the city gates where he beheld aging and sickness and the possibility of another path in the form of a monk was Kantaka, this beautiful white steed. And this chariot that was driven by his best friend, Chana. Chana and Kantaka, the horse and the friend, figure throughout the Buddha's life, right up until this point. The day came when there was no distraction that could keep Siddhartha from being haunted by the reality of life. Life is going towards death. Life is going towards sickness and death. There must be more. There must be more than this. So, one night, he made his great decision to depart, to go forth. And according to the great story, the gods cast a spell over the palace and over the whole of the harem so that everyone would fall into a deep, deep sleep. And according to some of the stories, there'd been some fabulous party beforehand. So they were all wiped out anyway. Because that was his life. He went from party to party to party, event to event to event. Can you relate? I'm not saying that you have a harem of 60,000, but life is propelled from one event that we look forward to or are obliged to do to the next. But anyway, his mind was made up and the spell was cast. So he summoned his great white horse and his friend, the chariot driver, and said, meet me at the gates. We're going to go. So his horse was neighing with excitement, and there's great dispute about what. Is he frightened or is he excited? Like, yay, he's going to go and he's going to liberate us all. We don't know. He was neighing. But nobody heard him because they were under the spell. So off he rode, Siddhartha, and he came to a point, and this is really the point of my story, where he said, this is it. 
boys, we're not going further together. And in some version, it's, it's you know, a little loosey-goosey because he's in the chariot. In other versions, he's on the horse. Because in the sutra, it says, this is the last time I will alight from my horse. This is the last time I will get down from here. And I will never get on a horse again. My beautiful, beloved white steed. Let that sink in. This is, this is astonishing. What did the Buddha mean by freedom? Because he is getting off his horse and he is never, ever going to ride it again for the rest of his life. And it was long. From the age of 29, when he left the palace, until his death at 80 or beyond, he walked. That was how he traveled. And you know how that feels. It's not like flying or taking a train or driving. So according to the Great Sutra, the horse begins to cry in one person. He starts licking Siddhartha's feet and weeping great big hot tears. Please don't go and leave me. The horse is an extension of Siddhartha's feeling. In fact, in many ancient Eastern traditions, the model of the horse and the chariot and the driver is, is us. The chariot's a body. The horse is our feeling. And the driver is our various personas or moods or ego states. So anyway, in that version, he's weeping on the spot. In other versions, he goes home, and he's so heartbroken that what took one night takes him eight days to return to the palace, just bedraggled, dragging himself along. He's our feelings again. He's so hurt and dejected and bereft. He feels like he'll never travel again. If you had that feeling, he'll never be in a gathering with his friends again, doing things he loves, going to museums and concerts and plays and parties. He's so sad. And then he gets back to the palace and he neighs and they've woken up from their spell. So out they run. Siddhartha's father his principal wife, his secondary wife, and 60,000 extra women, just in case he gets tired of, you know, the first 40,000. <laughs> and they're all lamenting, and they're crying, and, they're, and they start yelling at the horse. Why did you let him go? Why did you let him go? And the poor horse is crying, and, the, and they're going, why didn't you neigh and wake us up? And the horse is like, 
I did, but you didn't hear me. And they even punched the poor horse. They hit him. It's so unfair. And the horse way gets worse. Prepare yourself. He dies of heartache. He's so misunderstood. He's still so bereft. He's so unheard and in missing his life, the life he wants, that he dies. The good news is that he's reborn in a heaven, a heavenly realm as a Brahmin. And you'll be happy to know he's even accorded a big harem. <laughs> of his own, but better than that, he gets to hear Dharma talks from the Buddha and becomes enlightened. So it has a happy ending. But I'm sharing this story with you, not just to entertain, though that it's nice to hear a story. It's relaxing. But also because we're all suffering from this confinement, this restriction. We have moments where we can't help but feel that, oh, this is so bad. It's so much worse than I thought. We see we're in conditions where we can't help but see how the mind works. And this is how the mind works, that we could handle this for a certain time. And then the mind, mind assumed that we would go back to normal. And we would be, you know, be gathering in the old way and doing this and doing that. And this has not happened. And we have this feeling at moment, many feelings. This is so bad. This is so deep. This is so sad. And this exactly, exactly is the moment when we can offer the question, what did the Buddha mean by freedom? What did he mean by liberation? Because it's so clear when he got down from his beloved horse, who was his friend, the extension of his feeling, and said, I will not mount this horse again. That he intended to never again be distracted, taken away, live his life the way he previously had, which was planning retreats. It's so, it's so amusing because even people that practice meditation and yoga, we love planning retreats. I will go away and then I will be in these beautiful conditions where I will be free or closer to myself. But he, he was done. He was done with that. And he sat down and he proceeded to 
see what's arising in me, what's arising in me right now. I'm shopping for suitcases online. What's that about, <laughs> for example? Or this depression comes over me. Look at this, this story that this will never end or it won't end well. Look at this. And that's what he did. He looked. He looked at his experience with kind eyes. And he noticed that some patterns led him towards more freedom, more presence, more of a sense of vibrancy and wholeness. And other patterns led him down into more of a sense of contraction or heaviness or separation. And he kept watching and he kept watching and he kept watching until he had that moment of seeing that we call awakening or enlightenment which is a moment of seeing that, well, we can experience it in a moment because they are small moments of this, that we can be with life. But I will add something that I learned. Some of you know that I went and did a retreat up at Harvard of stories of the women's stories connected to the tradition of the Buddha. And here's something I will add. When the Buddha left, when Siddhartha left his home, he said, I will be back. I will come back with what I found about how we can be more free. And he did go back. And he caught hell, too, from his wife and, and many others at first. And he took it, just like his horse. And he taught people that there is a way for us to be in this situation right now even though we feel lonely and confined and worried, there's a way for us to be with us, to learn to see that can bring us freedom and a sense of connection to life. So let's sit together and take a comfortable seat. comfortable for you, but with the back as straight as you can comfortably have the back. And just make sure that 
that you're upright and yet relaxed. Breathing. And let the eyes close if you can. If that's uncomfortable for you for some reason, avert the gaze. But it's best to close your eyes. And just notice how it feels to be here, to be sitting. And see how your attention softens you, relaxes you. And as the body begins to relax and soften, you can bring the attention to the breathing, if you wish, without changing it in any way. Just notice in-breath and out-breath. Sensing it from the inside. Notice that when the thoughts take you away, you can notice this without judgment and gently come home to this sensation of being present.
noticing how alive the attention is. Not with thinking, but with energy, with sensing, seeing. See that when the attention drifts into thinking, we can gently bring it back to the sensation of being present with no judgment and be completely welcomed, accepted.
Meditation is a movement of return, of coming home, and also letting be, accepting everything as it is, without judging. Let everything happen to you. Every state and come home to the sensation of being present. Open.
Notice that you can come home no matter what's happening and have a sensation of presence. And be met by an attention that doesn't judge. Noticing how it feels to be embraced by an attention that is completely accepting.
noticing that stillness means softness, not resisting. Noticing that freedom may be freedom from fear.
So during the sitting, a big thunderstorm rolled through here. And um, I have headphones on so you didn't get to hear it. But it's such a wonderful reminder that the stillness we seek is more of a feeling, a sensation. It's like the Buddha in the forest when Mara, the devil, came to him and triggered his deepest fears. And the Buddha calmly touched the earth to come home to the sensation of being in a body, of belonging to the earth. And he also said at one point, which I love, when Buddha, when Mara conjured visions of terrifying armies that would destroy the Buddha and all his dreams and all his hopes and his family, the Buddha calmly said, Mara, you do not know the size of my army. And his army, he told Mara, was the truth. His seeking the truth to be the whole of himself, to be his true self. And I notice from social media that some of you today have acknowledged that it's Pride Day. Pride Day, happy Pride. And the wish and the aim to be your true self, to live your true life, is an intention and a wish that's like the Buddha's army. It can accompany you. intention and attention. This attention that waits for us to find it, to give ourselves to it. It's like it's here waiting to say, we're not judging. <laughs> Come home. Be here now. So that's why the Buddha got off his horse. So thank you for listening to me. And if you have a question, um, I'd be happy to hear it. It'd be wonderful if someone new spoke, someone who hadn't spoken before. Though, of course, your stillness is also wonderful. But, yeah, it's wonderful to, um, we'll say meta in a minute, to take away from this the reflection, the question, 
that all these great beings like the Buddha elected to put themselves in conditions very often with no traveling, no dinner parties, no movies. For what? To see something. So let's offer meta. And I'm I'm not saying I'm still not saying that it's gonna be like this forever. But we might touch something that we can take with us. Freedom from fear. So we take our seat again, just for a few minutes more. Because this is a chance for us to know ourselves, our goodness. We take our seat and really let ourselves feel an impulse to honor the impulse we have, the wish we have to be safe to be safe, to be ourselves, to be free from harm and danger, to be well, to be free. Acknowledging the wholesomeness of that wish we let it shine out a little farther to our communities, including this community and our community of friends and family, whether they're near or far, and including ourselves, offer the wish, may we be safe May we be safe and protected from all harm and danger. May we be well and truly happy and free to live our true lives. We let this wish open farther. Let our true hearts shine to our whole regions, wherever we may be, California, New York, Hawaii, Scotland, all the places that are here tonight. May we all be safe and free from harm and danger. May we be well and free. And opening the wish till farther, we embrace the whole of our countries.
north and south. May we all be safe. May we all be well and happy and free to thrive. Free from all oppression and danger and lack. And we open our hearts and our wish still farther and cross the ocean. Embracing the whole of the UK, the whole of the United States, the whole of North America. May we all be safe, free from harm, free from danger, free. Now, including the whole of Europe, every country, Germany and Italy and Spain, every country, may we all be safe. May we all be happy and free to thrive, to be ourselves. The whole of India, the whole of Africa, North and South, every country, may we all be safe, may we be well, may we have what we need. May we be free. The whole of the Middle East. May we be safe and free from danger and threat. May we be well and truly happy. at ease. The whole of Asia, may we all be safe. May we all be free and truly happy. Finally, including ourselves in the very center, we offer this wish to the whole world, every part, every continent, every subcontinent, every island, every creature, plant and animal, and the earth herself. 
May we all be safe and protected from all harm and danger. May we all be well and free from all forms of oppression and violence and cruelty and neglect. May we all have the resources we need to thrive. May we all know we belong, we're wanted and necessary and beloved. And may we all be free in every way and sense, inside and outside, entirely free. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.